What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar podcast live stream. It is episode 60. Today, we have Sid and Mackie with, with us, and uh, you can't see them yet because I'm going to hold you guys hostage for just a minute. So in, for those of you guys that are watching and not listening, the background's a little different right now, and that's because it is like 190 degrees in my garage right now. There's this crazy heat wave coming through Sacramento, and I can't handle sitting out. I think I would lose all of my weight if I sat out there for like two hours. So this is the deal. This is the the new and improved biker bar studio with air conditioning. It's so good. <laughs> Anyways, so I want to thank every uh, everyone. I want to thank everybody for showing up. I do want to do that, but I also want to thank those of you guys that are on Patreon. You're the sponsor of the show right now, and um, you guys are making it happen. So it, it, it is definitely very heartwarming every time I, I get a new person on Patreon and everybody that leaves, well, I got choice words for you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but seriously, everybody that's out there on, on Patreon helping support the channel, it really means a lot to me. And um, it's a buck a month and you can put beer in the fridge. You can um, just be happy that you're getting access to the coupons or you can pay five bucks a month and you'll get a sticker pack and then really put beer in the fridge because I need a lot of beer in the fr I'm going to drink all the beers in about 14 days is my birthday and I'll finally be getting off the wagon or back on I don't know what it's called anyways so if you guys um, want to have a little bit more insight to what's going on in the channel and what I'm doing go ahead and hit up my Instagram or my Facebook page they're both at at biker b1 so b1 k r b l b1 there's always some new pictures and stuff like that going on there and i always forget that not everybody on youtube is watching that so um go ahead and, and subscribe or like the page or follow whatever it is this this day of the week um speaking of subscribing the channel is coming along good the biker bar channel but i really want to hit 10k in one year and if it's, if you guys don't push that button, it's just not going to happen. So with all of that being said, let's go ahead and get our guests on. And we got Sid and Mackie right on. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. Yeah, how good. are you? Oh, Glad not bad. Here. Oh, I'm so stoked. I'm like not sitting in the garage right now. So <laughs> I, I'll, you know, there's a good portion of the year that it's perfect out there because Sacramento is not usually like stupid hot, you know, and doesn't get really bad cold in the winter. So it's like most of the time I'm like, this is great. But then there's like a month or two of the summer where it's just like, I'm just sweating and sweating. and It, it just, it, it doesn't look good on my, my like messes. You know, I wear all this makeup for the, for the camera to make it look good. And oh yeah. You got to get the, like the different toning and stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what do I you don't got? even wear makeup, but I know that's not the right. <laughs> <laughs> toning. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to have a conversation later offline. <laughs> so how are you guys doing? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Starting to recover from Mackie's everesting attempt which was pretty draining on both of us actually <laughs> so we've had a pretty like low-key uh couple of weeks since oh then. i can only imagine so those of you guys that don't know what they're talking about um they run a youtube channel obviously i would hope everybody that's tuning in knows that if you don't definitely go check out their youtube channel um i have the link and show more oddly enough and then uh, outside of that so you guys are uh married 
you guys typically are kind of van lifing and because you're both professional racers, but this year is a little bit funky. And uh, is it weird? <laughs> yes. yes, it is. I think you guys are in New Mexico. Am I, am I right there? Yeah, we are. We're in Taos. So I think it, it's kind of funny because you used to always say like that van life prepared us for the apocalypse. And like, <laughs> if there were a zombie apocalypse, like we'd be ready. We just like drive off into the mountains in the van. Um, and it wasn't very good for this particular apocalypse. So yeah. we are at our sort of home base, which is Matthew's parents' house here in Taos. So that's where we've been since April. <laughs> oh, wow. Which is so pretty much yeah. the longest we've been in one place for like five years or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what happens whenever you sit around for a few months. All of a sudden you're like, hey man, it's my birthday. I think I'm gonna try <laughs> to climb the, uh, the elevation of Everest in one day on my bike. Yeah, pretty much. When all the races get canceled, you're like, you gotta entertain yourself somehow. <laughs> How do you even come up with that? Like, is was it like you're like you get a Facebook ad and it's like, hey, have you got hit with the stupid book or? <laughs> well, it was. It's sort of been a popular challenge recently. Um, a lot of pro roadies, a certain number of mountain bikers, have started doing it recently because once again racing's canceled so people are looking for a way to challenge themselves something to train for and uh yeah i sort of looked around and was like okay are there any really good steep paved sections in the area because that's how most people are doing it they're doing it on a road bike they're doing it yeah. on pavement um and i was I like well like no not really it, it would have been a lot easier <laughs> but i figured if there wasn't going to be a good section i might as well just go the opposite direction and go for like most crazy epic one i could possibly come up with um you, and i so, think yeah. you nailed it I, i'm pretty much sure you nailed it on that one thanks it's <laughs> a super interesting challenge because if you find a hill that's steep enough and paved like like we initially when we started talking about it, we're like maybe if we find the right hill and you could go for a record attempt because i think at that mm -hmm. point phil guyman had the record or the guy right after him and it's understandable. <laughs> I can see the little Paul sliding under the door right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we kind of initially thought we're like, maybe to try a record attempt, but there's nothing around here that really fits the bill on that. So then like plan B was like, what's the hardest possible thing we could come up with? Yeah, because starting at like 9,000 feet of elevation probably is right up there on the, on the hard, hard difficulty level there. Yeah, 9,000, starting at 9,500, topping out at just over 12 was yeah. about, yeah, you know, it was, uh, it's one of the highest. I believe there's one that we know of that's higher, but it was on pavement, um, and they actually were Everesting up to... Everest Base Camp. So that was pretty or cool. Below, I don't or maybe just it's below. not paved all the way to Everest Base Camp, is it? I don't know. I don't know. But, anyways, but it was higher. that one was really high, but it was it was on pavement and it was a lot longer. If it was maybe me, like I would go hours. down to I would go down to like the beach and then I would find something that's like ten feet higher than that. And I would just ride around in circles for like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the other closer to like twelve hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't I know how fast like, I can ride in circles, man. You could go to Hawaii 
because there's that climb up the volcano that goes from oh, like yeah. zero to like ten thousand. Yeah, so you can do, so you can just do it three times. There you go. That sounds yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's really I, I can't tell you guys how inspired i was i'm sure you guys have heard it about a billion times on your channel already but it was quite an amazing feat i mean between just like what you get like what sid had to do on the planning side compared to like also or not compared to like also like your friends that came out and climbed with you and like Mackie, you're just amazing, like athlete. I mean, it just boggled me to think about that kind of climbing at that elevation. I don't know if everybody that's listening I, has ridden at that elevation, but I know in Tahoe, like the highest that we get is right around 10,000. And I would say when I personally hit like 8,500 feet, man, I start feeling like you're like, man this you're not feeling with it you know so is it are you guys at elevation already like you're like living at like six thousand or seven thousand feet 85 oh yeah. wow so you guys are yeah. like pretty much i actually think Mackie didn't even think about the elevation <laughs> factor of this until we did our first video about preparing for it and every single comment everyone was like you should do it at sea level blah 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 it's like oh <laughs> Yeah, I guess it is a little different to do it from like 85 to 12 than like zero to four, but whatever. <laughs> I started riding bikes in New Mexico. So in northern New Mexico, which is actually at elevation. So I've always raced in the mountains at elevation. Yeah. It's just something I don't really think about that much. Um, it then, does probably affect you oh, still yeah, at 12, for sure. at least at the top. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So there's no question, but I just don't really think about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. How do you prepare for that? I mean, I, I saw, I, I watched the channel, but I mean, obviously um, not everybody has like, what, what kind of effort did you put into training for that? So that's one of the things that we love about having a coach is we don't have to come up with the preparation. Our coach comes up with the preparation and we follow the training. Um, but it basically, I did a certain number of like four-ish hour rides um, just sort of to like build up that endurance with the understanding that it was going to be a lot longer than that. But like four hours was a pretty good length to settle in, ride hard, feel, you know, pretty strong and then be able to recover well and not be totally destroyed. So I was doing kind of four hour rides and two and a half hour rides, usually a couple of them in a row mm -hmm. um, on you know subsequent days. And then I spent some time riding up and down Fraser, trying to figure out the best route um, that was gonna be kind of the most efficient. Also that I could ride everything because mm -hmm. one of the rules of Everesting is that you have to ride the whole thing. You can't have hike a bike sections. So yeah, it, uh, I eventually just decided to do the, the dirt road all the way up, which is using road very loosely. <laughs> I would say towards the top, it's, um, yeah, it's like a fire road. It's basically just a Jeep road. Yeah, I might have missed, <laughs> missed that in the videos because I know on the one video you were saying that you were going to email them because there was like a 20-foot elevation gain section that you were going to try to do to make it a little easier. So they didn't go for it or... I never heard back from them um, and 
So I was like, okay, A, I'm not going to do it if I don't know for sure that it can mm -hmm. be a actual attempt. I think we also realized that just going up the road was faster yeah. than either way, especially coming down. Like it was significantly mm -hmm. yeah. faster coming down. That and since you have to descend what you went up, it was like, I'm, I'm glad we didn't do anything at all longer than what we did. <laughs> it like, didn't need to be any longer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also worth <laughs> noting, though, that Mackie has, like, a 15-year base of, like, racing professionally, and um, he's probably one of the few people who can email their coach and say, I'm going to do an Everesting attempt in six weeks, like, get me ready. <laughs> like, And even then, like, even for you, I would say you had, like, five laps of 11 where you were trained for it and you were fit and you were fine and then the rest was just forcing yourself to do it it was just not stopping yeah the, he, he the stopped rest having was... fun like on lap six <laughs> yeah, yeah you could tell by how how enthusiastically he hit the bell it was like whatever yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where's the bell I, I actually am kind of curious to ask Matthew this question because I don't know but like we've had 500 comments on our video from the Everesting like they're pretty much all positive like everyone's incredibly inspired one person's mad that our friend put salt on his gummy bears but like so 506 positive comments out of 507 was it worth it has that made it worth it because it wasn't he didn't have fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you were not a happy camper no, for like the I second half of this entire day. I don't think you do Everesting to have fun, frankly. Like, I just, that's, yeah, you, you do it to see if you can, basically. And so is that the reason? That was the reason you were just like, can I do this? Yeah, pretty much. How I about, mean, Sid, did you, why didn't you be like, yeah, I'll do it with you? Oh, I've been injured for like six months at this uh, point, so I am barely riding. Um, oh, I, I would definitely, if I were fit, have probably done a half. I don't think, not that I couldn't have done the full, but we would have been uh -huh. out there for 30 hours, which I, is a lot to like put someone through. Like if it took Mackie 18, like right. it would easily take me another like five to ten on top of well and i have you know i have base that sid doesn't have yeah. because before the previous five years when we were racing enduro i raced cross country really seriously mm -hmm. for six or seven years so i have this base that sid i mean sid has an incredible base now but i have basically an additional six years of racing cross country of base mm -hmm. on top of that so for me to say all right i'm gonna be able to do this is easier at this point than it is for Sid to because she just has like six or seven years less base than yeah. I do, which yeah. is really what this is about, frankly. Like, you know, doing an Everesting, there's a certain amount where you're like, okay, I'm pushing hard, I'm like trying to go fast, and then it's just, it's can I keep my legs going in circles for the next 12 hours? Yeah. Basically. It's insane. I, I just, uh, is it like meant to be done like as fast as possible or like what, what are, what are like the ground rules of the Everesting challenge? Well, the Everesting record is like seven hours now. I think Alberto Contador said it and then some Irish guy beat it. And like I was kind of saying earlier, it comes down a lot to finding like the right hill where you can get mm -hmm. that kind of elevation in like, I don't know what they're doing, like 80 miles maybe. It, his was 120. So you're not going to be, 
even if it were paved, you wouldn't have been close to a record with yeah, that yeah. mileage. And then it's not paved, it's rocky and it's steep and it's, you know, yeah. totally different. But I think, honestly, I think he just wanted to be over. So you were going as fast as you could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you definitely started out like you were you were running ahead of like what your intended time was at the beginning. Yeah. Was the first just, four laps were great. Were you just feeling good? Like you got like the high of like, you're, you're like, Oh, I'm finally doing it. And like, you're like, Oh, I can do this all day. I think also I had trained, like that was sort of the timeline I had trained for was, mm-hmm. you know, four to six hours. And I could like, I was in shape to be able to go hard for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about it with my coach later and it was like, okay, should I have gone slower those first four laps? I'm not sure it really would have made any difference. Like mm-hmm. in the next laps, I don't think I would have necessarily felt better on laps five through 11. Mm-hmm. So I might as well have gone fairly fast on those first ones to like save as much time as possible. I mean, I basically gained myself an hour over my projected time on those first four laps and then lost (laughs) lost all of that (laughs) and some more for the next ones but like i don't know if it would have been faster had i not gone as hard i don't really think so i think it's also like it's not like you were going hard on those first four laps like they're a lot faster than the later laps but like his you were doing like an hour to the top and his fastest time to the top ever is 40 minutes so that's still like, like 45 or okay. 48 or something. But okay, yeah, that's still like a good 10% slower. Yeah, yeah maybe even 20%. Yeah. So, so right. it was probably felt really doable until your legs had five laps in them. Yeah. And stuff yeah. doable. <laughs> Is that about whenever you put out the uh, or the uh, the birthday present, Sid? No, I, I think that was lap eight, nine, eight yeah. or nine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I felt pretty good the first four. And then still felt okay on five and six. I was just moving slower. Yeah. Um, probably seven also. And then eight was when things started getting harder and I had the mechanical and, you know, so it was at that point that things got really hard. <laughs> Is that and then I was like, I need as much encouragement as I can get right now. Was that the issue that you had with the cranks? That was the very last lap. Yeah. So that was oh, in okay. the dark. I'm riding with him, his brother's riding with him, and we're like three quarters of the way up the hill and he is going so slow. <laughs> like, it was really funny when we were planning this, like his brother hasn't really ridden at all. He's like, do you think I can keep up? And we're like, I don't know, man. Like he's not, he's not gonna be going that slow after 11 laps. He was definitely going that slow. And then he just <laughs> stopped. He's like, my crank stopped turning. And he sits on the ground and like, fix it. <laughs> so what exactly like, happened? So on the XTR cranks, the new XTR cranks, they're sort of like SRAM's earlier cranks. I don't know if SRAM still does it, but you basically like you tighten the cranks on and then there's a little O-ring thing that spins Mm -hmm. that you use to like keep there from being side to side play on the crank. Oh yeah, like the Um, little plastic thing that SRAM uses. Exactly. So I, you know, I had tightened that and made sure that it spun well, but apparently after... 11 laps it uh-huh. had like caught somehow and tightened itself on so it was crushing the bottom bracket bearings so it was keeping oh, wow. the cranks from spinning oh that's crazy um, i yeah. was wondering and, what happened somebody also asked in in the comments just a minute ago yeah 
it was annoying. It but was I mean, fixable. Yeah, we yeah. just had to get like something in there. <laughs> Luckily, we had Mackie's brother, who's a rock climber, so we're like, you have the strongest hand. Yeah. Anyone here, you can probably sort this out. I but. suspect I would have gotten it eventually. Uh-huh. It just would have taken a while. Like, yeah. What I would have figured it out, but I was just like, uh, this is too hard. It was dark. He had been riding for 17 hours at that point, probably. Like, we were mm-hmm. very close to the end. I was just like a bad... Bag for sure. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. likely, though, isn't it? It always is like right when things are as tough as they can possibly get, it's always like, here's a little extra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. So you got that uh, uh, flat as well, and that didn't work out to plug? So I, I apparently sliced the sidewall. The hole oh. was like I stuck a plug in originally, but it was so big that it wasn't going to hold. So I was like, okay put a tube in, put a tube in, blew it up. And then apparently the tube had a hole in it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was, that was my fault for not having checked my equipment. Check your tube. So check your check tube. Your spare equipment to see if so what, like you couldn't put a couple of bacon strips in there. Like I've done that before. You stick like two or three of them in it. It was just like, I had one of those really big plugs uh-huh. and stuck it in there. And it was like, it filled up the space, but I could tell it was, like the second I put air in it, it was just gonna like leak around the edges. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, there's no point in using a CO2 now, having it leak, having yeah. it go flat, and then putting a tube in two minutes from now. Right, so I was right, like, whatever, right. I'll just put a tube in. And then, yeah, like I said, I forgot to. I, I, I just use tubes so rarely yeah. that, you know, you have it on your bike and you're like, yeah, it's been on there for a while. It's fine. And yeah. it wasn't fine. <laughs> yeah, just recently, I, um, I, basically did the same thing kind of like cut the sidewall but like right at the rim and Mm -hmm. um i had to had to use the tube first of all let me tell you taking cush core off it on the side (laughs) isn't the most fun but uh actually went pretty good i i was pretty impressed i remember like making a post on instagram being like you guys are silly i did it like 10 minutes but it was a pain but um yeah, I put that tube in. I mean, and I remember when I took it off my bike, I was thinking to myself, this thing's been on here for a long time. Yeah. Like, who knows how many times I've, like, thrown this bike down a hill or, you, you know what I mean? We're like, just let it go. And you're like, it, this tube might not work. So, yeah, it definitely happens. So, um, what did, did that, like, intrigue you guys to, like, consider to maybe do something, like, more than that? Probably not more than that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we'll do other challenge style things because it's a good, it, like, it's a good way to give you something to train for to get you out the door. Um, but I don't think I have any desire to do another Everest. He doesn't ever want to do that again. <laughs> no, that was, yeah, it was good. I'm glad I did I it. I'd say it's one of the few times, like, like, I definitely when I edited the video. We had to have some redemption in there, like, you know, but I, in real life, there wasn't that much redemption until like three days later. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was pretty much like things started being pretty crappy on like lap eight, and it was just like survival until the end. Um, so. I mean, honestly, yeah. all the like the comments and the congratulations and that kind of stuff from people, uh-uh. that was really cool. But yeah, that that made it worth it. I would say, um, 
but like the actual doing it, not that fun. I've been watching this show on um, on Amazon called The World's Toughest Race. And uh, have you guys seen that show? It's just basically like a suffer fest for like 11 days. And uh, it was just like one of those like epic kind of like adventure races, you know, where they're like paddling and then they're swimming and then they're stand up paddleboard and then they're mountain biking and then they're white water rafting and all this and that and the other. And I mean, when you, you've done something like what you did with that Everesting attempt, like I would feel like it gives you like, kind of like initially where you're like, all right, I did it. I don't ever need to do that again. And then I would imagine that there's a certain amount of time that goes by and you start thinking about doing something else again. Yeah, I think like, I definitely think that we will do other challenges. Um, but I don't necessarily think that we will do other Everesting challenges. Um, Cause that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was classic. <laughs> Try not to do that again. <laughs> that means it didn't hang up. Yeah, that was pretty good. Right? All right, now I got it. I got my little airplane clip on it now. All right. There you no, go. no other, some other challenge, but not 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 anything else like uh, like to that degree. Eighteen hours riding up and down the same hill really wasn't that great, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> like. I'm glad I did it and, you know, had a lot of people say that it like inspired them to get out and ride or to like go climb some more or something like that. Yeah. That's awesome. That definitely like, that's one of the reasons I did it was to see if I could do it, but also to like inspire other people to be like, Hey, what's something that I've been considering doing that I think would be really hard, but I want to try to have them feel like they could do that. Um, yeah. So that made it worth it. But yeah, no, one time was plenty for me. <laughs> yeah, I think we definitely have some bigger things that we'd like to do, like bucket list things like that. But uh -huh. in terms of actually like pursuing an Everesting record, I don't think that's that's in the cards. Like we've yeah. talked about doing like a 24 hour race as like a team. Uh -huh. I think that would be kind of fun to yeah. do sometime. Probably only once. I think that is, would be another one of those mm -hmm. things that you're like, I don't done. ever <laughs> want to do that again. But right. it's a good idea once. Yeah. <laughs> well, people do say that two person 24 hour racing is like the hardest because like you're each trying to not slow the other person down. So you're like trying to do the best you can. But since you're both having to do that, you're like both going really hard. And so. you don't really sleep if it's just two people. No. That's the thing. I'm not super interested in things that involve sustained sleep deprivation. <laughs> like the people uh -huh. who do like the Colorado Trail race and like people all the time are like, yeah, I should do bike pack racing. I'm like, maybe bike packing, but like I would like to like go hard all day and then sleep for nine hours. Not like go hard until one in the morning, sleep for 20 minutes and like get up and do it again. Like that sounds absolutely yeah. insane. Do you guys yeah, ever see I mean, that thing, Ride the Divide? Like the, is it the same as like the Continental yeah, Divide yeah, race? Like yeah. Canada to Mexico. Those people are something else. <laughs> it's just like, the, I don't know, something like that to me sounds like it would be really fun. I mean, obviously not to try to like beat the record, which is just ungodly fast. Yeah. But like to do something like that where like, Maybe you took a month off 
you know, and you're like trying to do that or two months or whatever, you know what I mean? I feel like that would be like super fun. For sure. I think it'd be a fun experience. Yeah. But not to race it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not to race it. Those guys that race that thing are just, I think that like, I don't remember what the record is. I think like the men's records, like, 15 days or something like that. I think the woman's record is like a day longer. And then there's like a single speed record. That's like 19 days or something like that. It's just insane. Like amount of just riding constantly and like as little sleep as possible. Yeah. Going back to what Sid said, it's the sleep thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. someone like, asked about Leadville. I know that's not really on our, bucket list particularly either Leadville I think is like really maybe overrated I, I, so I don't on the internet I don't know <laughs> I've heard Leadville like a million times but I actually don't know what it is other than a race what is it so Leadville is sort of the iconic hundred mile race um it's right. probably the best known and it's because it starts in Leadville which is at like 10,000 feet so it's high altitude it's a hundred miles. It's hard. It's been going on for a long time. So people can compare their times to like known records. Uh -huh. um, but it's almost all dirt roads. Like there's yeah, like 96. only a tiny bit of single track. Whereas yeah. there are some really amazing hundred mile races out there. Like Shenandoah 100. That's like a lot of single track mm -hmm. and like some of the stuff up in Michigan. That I can't remember the name of. So I, I want to do a hundred mile race at some point in my life, but uh, it probably wouldn't be that one. It would probably be the single yeah. track one. <laughs> yeah. Which is harder because it's longer. Right. But, you know. Yeah, and people are cool. winning Leadville in like six hours, I think. Whereas, wow. like, That's for nice. like some of these more single track ones, it's like eight or nine, you know, at the top end. So, like, imagine how long for everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That's crazy. 100 miles in six hours. But you said it's like fire road. Like it's eight. it's 96 miles of dirt road and four miles of single track. It's just really high elevation. Yeah, and it's an yeah. out and back, so you're doing the same 48 miles plus two miles of single track, and then turning around and doing the reverse on the way back. Wow. So, which you know, I mean, that's like I get it. I I, I don't know. There's part of me that's like I'd like to do it just to see how fast yeah. I could do it, but it's not really about wanting to ride the trail. It's about wanting to see what my time would be yeah, racing. so yeah it's racing that's yeah. that's what i love about racing it's like even boring trails become exciting because you're racing there's like you're not just going out to like ride a trail you're going out to compete with other people and then that makes it fun even if the trail itself is nothing to write home about how did you guys get into racing I've been racing for a long time. <laughs> um, I, mean, I did my first rate at, race at 15, I think. Um, and I was doing an after-school mountain bike program in here in Taos. And the people who run the program were like, hey, there's a race in Angel Fire. Do you want to try it? And I was like, sure, that'll be fun. And I went and did it and had a blast and have pretty much been racing since. So that would be 18 years now. So yeah, that was mountain biking when you first started? Yep. And I've done some road racing and some cross racing and yeah, I've done, I've done a lot of different kinds of racing, but I like mountain bike racing the best personally. 
So out of the different disciplines, which one did you like the most? How about you, Sid? It depends on yeah. what you want. I mean, I started in enduro basically. I mean, I raced in I raced like collegiate racing, which was all cross country stuff. But um, started more with enduro. I think we both got pretty burned out on enduro, like twenty seventeen ish. Um, a lot of EWS races, which are just like it's a whole They're other hard. world. Yep. <laughs> They're super, super hard, and it's, like, really hard to just handle the logistics of EWS racing without a team, and that was becoming more and more the case as they got, the races got bigger and bigger, basically. Um, and so it was just, like, super punishing. <laughs> yeah. And not that fun. People were taking it more and more seriously, which makes perfect sense i mean it's it's essentially world cup for enduro racing and i'm really glad that we got to race a number of them but as people got more and more serious about it there were questions of cheating and doping and like they had to put a lot of rules in place which makes perfect sense but mm -hmm. like when you get all of these rules and all of these like you have to do this you can't do this you got it you know it can sometimes stop being fun so it, yeah, we got burned out. Yeah, looks like Robert dropped his phone. <laughs> uh, we'll just hey, he's a nice vertical black bar. Yeah, we'll just keep talking. Yeah. But um, EWS racing is interesting in that I think as they put more rules in, it got harder and harder to like be a privateer or like mm -hmm. someone without a team because it would be like you can practice these like different stages at these time gaps, and those time gaps only really work if you have someone who's like driven you up to the top of the hill you know so i don't know it got hard it yeah. wasn't what i wanted to be doing i think mackie was more into it for sure yeah. but yeah. i mean you know i i enjoy i enjoyed and still enjoy enduro racing but uh you know i would like to i guess i decided i wanted to do all the different disciplines because there are some really cool races like BC Bike Race, what we were talking about earlier, yeah. is a great example of like just a cool race and it's not an enduro. And we knew that we weren't going to be able to race it and enjoy it if we only had enduro fitness. And so we were like, okay, time to start training to be able to race like all different kinds of races. And yeah, so here we are. And, you know, for me, it was fun to kind of go back to cross country training because you get in really, really good shape, frankly. What is it that you guys are missing most about um, not being on the road? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I would say we've adapted fairly yeah. well. It was just really clear by like early April that like this season was not going to happen. Again, there have been some races that ran, but for the most part it hasn't happened so especially the big races yeah like that which makes sense because they're drawing people from like hey there he is <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that. that was the that was the phone that one didn't like <laughs> so um, um, go ahead oh no i was just gonna say like you know we we acknowledge that 
people did not want people in vans traveling to a lot of the places we wanted to go to, which was totally fair. Like, you know, Moab is sort of the, the perfect example of it's a small hospital. They don't have a great, like they don't have a ton of facilities and they didn't want a ton of people coming in and potentially bringing COVID or coming in with COVID and taking up space in the hospital beds. And I completely understand and respect that, but it put a pretty solid damper on our like travel plans, plans. travel yeah. plans. So we're like, okay, guess we're going to be in Taos. How can we make this as functional as possible? Um, yeah. So working on projects, doing things that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> yeah. So what was the, I, I missed this stuff on the channel whenever you're, um, Apparently there's a fire truck going down the street. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but I it thought was it was like, monster. It sounded sort of like like a monster in the wall. It was just you, waiting to come out. I was, you know, yeah. it's 2020, so anything. Can happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was the deal with the with the garage? Like there was that like you guys had like just this you know all your stuff thrown in there, or it was just like something that was um, available to you guys to use since you were in town, or. Wanna... Yeah, so we are currently staying at Mackie's parents' house, and we've been using that shed for years to store all of our stuff, but it was a total disaster. Like, we had too much stuff. And, like, I, and I helped build this shed with my dad and siblings, like, 10, 15 years ago, probably, like, a, a while ago. And so uh -huh. it had sort of been... It was our sports equipment shed and we were using it, but there was a lot of sports equipment between the family that wasn't getting used and it was disorganized and, and there we were like rats. And there were rats. <laughs> and we were like, let's try to make this like a functional space that we can go up and work on our bikes and have fun working on our bikes up there. Um, and organize it the way we want and just make it like a cool space. So that was the first of our COVID projects that we <laughs> tackle yeah. and uh yeah we're really i mean we were up there this morning just kind of hanging out and working in there because it's just a it's a nice space it's comfortable tools look like are they're easy to find we know like hey i need a wrench and you just like reach up and you grab the wrench and yeah that's, yeah. A, no so that's a novelty that's new for us yeah right. <laughs> compared to having to like dig it out of the van and like take the motorcycle yeah. out and all that other stuff yeah yeah so you guys do, um, you guys do ride motorcycle too, right? Yep. I actually you rode the dirt bike for the first time yesterday in about a year because we rode in Sun Valley last year. I dropped mine in a river. So dropped hers in a river. Didn't quite work the same. <laughs> and then we would, and then the end, the, the later part of the season was more like XC racing. And then I separated my shoulder got ac separation in october and so obviously i was off the moto at that point and then i wanted to be really smart about making sure i had the upper body strength before i came back to riding the moto just so that i didn't hurt myself mm -hmm. and once i sort of felt like i could ride the dirt bike again um i was sort of ready to train for this everesting thing and dirt bike while it's very fun it's not exactly the right cross training for riding your bike for 18 hours. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't until yesterday that I felt both recovered enough and like it made sense to start riding the dirt bike again. So that was really fun. Did like a three hour ride with a friend out in the mountains. So you guys know just as well as I do, like 
being a YouTuber, you don't always get to watch everybody else's videos, like all of them, you know? And no, when no, you said no. that just a minute ago, is was the AC separation the clip that's in your intro video? No, no. that was just a scar. Oh, okay. No, the AC the separation, he basically dove off our friend's porch face first. Why'd you do that? I mean, with his bike. <laughs> so the bike was supposed to come with him, but it didn't really. So our friends in Arkansas are trail builders and they have this awesome house with like a big deck into the woods. So they built like an absolutely massive drop, probably like 15 feet uh -huh. to a subpar landing. <laughs> but the landing wasn't really the problem. The, the takeoff was the problem. Mackie just blew it and basically just like, dove headfirst into the ground. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons why I screwed it up. The main one being I was tired from having raced Oz Trails Epic 50 miler like four days earlier, uh -huh. and I didn't take the drop seriously enough, and I didn't like check out the landing and check, like I didn't yeah. do all the things you should do. I was just like, this is fine, I got it, and then I totally blew it. There was a little bit of hubris involved. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 So you get so, like a little complacent, basically. You're like, oh, yeah, I can do these drops all day long. Yep. That's and I mean, crazy. I know it was well within my skill set. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, that doesn't, just because it's within your skill set doesn't mean you don't take it seriously. And I yeah. needed that reminder. Especially when it's that big. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a very good reminder, very effective reminder. How, how about you said you said that you've been injured for a while now yeah so i have a hip injury that's been really really slow it's oh, like a hard. nerve impingement basically uh-huh um so it sucks <laughs> yeah uh, we haven't really done videos about it because we just couldn't figure out what was going on um, yeah. and it's super unhelpful to just have like everyone on the internet being like you have a labral tear you need a hip replacement when it's like my issue isn't actually in my hip so it's yeah. like super frustrating the internet is like really <laughs> efficient about telling you about how to live your life yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah so i basically haven't ridden this year at all yeah um i've been riding an e-bike recently which is super really fun awesome. <laughs> i mean yeah like, we hadn't gotten to ride together because like i so sid broke her hand at in August, in August yeah. at Grand Targhee. And then we rode together like twice. And then mm -hmm. I separated my shoulder. And then we rode together like twice. And then Sid got the hip injury. So yeah. basically yeah. it's been a year that we haven't really gotten to ride together. Except and, on Except e for the e-bikes, <laughs> which has been awesome. Because it e has been, what, 10 months and we I haven't gotten know. to ride together. Yeah. And so, yeah, the e-bikes made it possible that we could ride together again, which was really cool. Yeah. So I've been doing... I've done multiple PRP injections and like all sorts of other wacky treatment that does seem to be working. So that's good. It's just nerve injuries take a really long yeah. time to heal. Yeah. I had a nerve injury in my forearm. Once. Yeah. I, I didn't even know what happened. Like I basically woke up one day and like two of my fingers weren't working anymore. Wow. Like, yeah. And uh, at the time, like guitar, like I was, I played guitar a lot. It was like, that was like my, my cord hand you know and i just remember feeling like my life was like over because it was like something that i like completely loved with every all of my passion you know and they said that they thought like i must have like hit something in my forearm Weird. and and it like messed up the nerve and basically you had to wait for 
the nerve to like grow back and they're like oh it grows back Whoa. like an inch a month or something like that and like seriously it was like, like a they, millimeter a year or something yeah i don't like even that. know <laughs> what it was like yeah something crazy right so like they were actually talking about like like fusing my my like that last joint in your finger like the one closest Whoa. to your tip because like basically if you pushed on it it would just bend back all the way because there was nothing like there was no strength Whoa. to the, the first the first two fingers like they just bend right right back and it was like the strangest thing but it took like six yeah. seven eight months maybe and then it was fine for the rest of my yeah. life it's been fine you know it's just yeah. like the weirdest thing you know so you guys were saying about not riding together like does that do you feel like that really impacts your relationship um not not as much as i might have thought as we yeah. maybe did at the beginning this winter was really hard i think because i was just in a lot of pain and we didn't really know what was going on um yeah and like i couldn't leave the house practically for like two yeah. months um, oh, no. the unknown was the hard yeah like, but i think i don't know i think it's been good in for our relationship in a lot of ways because i think we were very dependent on that yeah. but honestly ever since like the pandemic started it's just been like everything has been so different that that's yeah. just like this tiny piece yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like Sid can't ride or train, but also we're not in a van and we can't race. And we so can't yeah. like go to the different. grocery store without a mask. Yeah. And we yeah. have to like think through all these things in ways we didn't and we can't visit our friends. And like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's just like a tiny piece of like this year just being totally fucked. Yeah. Sorry, but, I don't know. Can I? No, you can say whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> we try it's not bar, to curse right? on our channel, but yeah. Yeah. It, we're in a biker, biker bar, bar man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my lady got in a an accident, a car accident. Somebody mm -hmm. t-boned her, and basically, like, it screwed up her back for a while. Wow. And um, I mean, it's still screwed up, obviously. But and um, because of that, she couldn't mountain bike for a long time. And that was something that we did together a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. And I always like. Like we quote unquote, you know, train together, you know what I mean? Like, and I always feel like in a relationship when you have like those things that you can go do together, like whether you like go to the gym together or you, something that you're like kind of suffering is what I'm getting at when you do mm -hmm. that together. Yeah. Like I always feel like that pulls you really closer together. And it was such a long time that she didn't ride from with me. And, and I, I missed it. I missed it a lot, mm -hmm. you know? So that's why I was asking, you know? And, yeah. Well, there's actually neurochemically, they say that, like the, the chemicals your body releases when you are doing something hard actually makes you like bond more closely with the people yeah. you're with. So there's, there's a good reason to go work out with your special someone. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think that goes along with, you know, like people that are in like, you know, accidents together or something like that. Anytime you go through something together and mm -hmm. it's just... I don't know. It pulls you tighter together. And that's why I always try to do stuff with my kids, you know, like force them. Like, like my kids got into riding bike because they didn't actually have an option. You know, it was like, I would tell my son like, Hey, you want to go mountain bike? And he'd be like, nah, I'd be like, go get your bike. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't really an option, you know, but like I would ask him like he actually had the, the, the option, but it's funny now, you know, he's, he's in the military and like when he comes home though, he's like, dad, let's go for a ride. Like I miss it. You know? And, like that's I, I don't know I, I enjoy doing those things and I like I said I, I really think those kind of things pull people a bit closer together and mm -hmm. totally. I think 
you know, America is probably getting a dose of that altogether, you know, because of the pandemic, people were actually like spending time together and doing a lot of things outdoors. So it's, um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if it sticks, you know, like, like for me, I, I don't know how populated the area is that you guys are in, but around here, like where I would normally no. ride is like packed now with like people and you know, it's like part of you is like annoyed because there's so many people and you're like, this was my land. You get off my trails. <laughs> right? yeah. You know, and then the other end of it is like, dude, that's really cool that so many people are like getting outside and actually like doing something instead of sitting on the couch or whatever, you yeah. know, but it's. In um, house, you might now see someone else on the trails. Yeah. Whereas before of, you wouldn't. Whereas before yeah. you could pretty much guarantee you would see no one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've had yeah. the same reaction. Like it's so cool. People are going outside. And a lot yeah. of them are riding bicycles and that's awesome. And I, I hope they keep doing that because I mean, it's a good community of people. It's good for your health. It's fun. Like there are a lot of reasons to do it. So hopefully people will keep doing it instead of just being like pandemic's done. I'm going to watch TV now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the plus side, if they all just like let it go, there could be some really good bike deals on use on the use space and the coming that like, is December. very true <laughs> yeah yeah no i've heard people say that it's like They're almost like, impossible to buy a used bike right now yeah yeah if you have one sell it that's for sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it definitely goes like I, I sold a bike for a friend and it didn't take that long at all it was like up and down pretty quick so i actually just bought a new bike i haven't told anybody what it is yet but um Ooh. yeah right so i'm getting ready to sell my my other bike and i'm like man i'm i'm looking at that thing and i've i've abused the hell out of that thing it's like it's like on one hand i want to like you know obviously get a decent amount of money for it but on the other hand i'm like man i don't know <laughs> like i want to just mark always learned like i mean obviously for us we get new bikes each year because we're racing yeah. on them but for us, it's like, it's not worth the time to like try to get the absolute maximum yeah. you possibly could get because like, I'd rather not spend that time and essentially like lose some money, but have that time and have somebody yeah. on the bike enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and the other thing too is like, okay, so, you know, do you, do you spend all this time and money into like redo the shock, redo the fork, redo all this and then sell it. It's like, well, you can just spend all that money on it or you could sell it and be like hey you know these things need to get worked on the yeah. downside is, is like once you have like a youtube channel like like you're you're like i don't want somebody to be online like they sold me this crappy bike you know what i mean yeah we sell pretty much all of our bike equipment through a company called gear rush it's based in salt lake city and so we just box up everything we have and he prints out he sends us shipping labels and we send it to him and then we get checks in the mail oh, that's great. pretty cool and it's super disconnected from us like nobody yeah. knows what yeah. happens he takes with the bike and <laughs> like, like would have been real great. hard to sell mackie's bike that went off the porch otherwise even though it was totally <laughs> fine like imagine if we tried to sell that actually on our we did sell that to somebody who we knew oh you're right yeah okay. it was fine actually. it was fine i think it broke a cable maybe no, yeah, I didn't right. even do that. The okay. bike was totally fine. I took all the force. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying, though, it's better yeah. for us to have it like a little totally. disconnect for yeah. the most part. And then and we don't have to spend the time like listing it and relisting it and blah. Yeah. You know, we're just like, there you go. Take your percentage. Send us the check. Everybody's happy. Like, 
it's yeah that's yeah. that's definitely the way to <laughs> yeah worked for us yeah have you guys you guys been with the same sponsors for quite some time or they change up we just started working with Niner this year, mm -hmm. uh -huh. but a lot of our other sponsors have been around for years. Like we've uh -huh. been with ProZumi and Shimano for a number of years. Expedo we've been with for like you've worked with Expedo, worked with Expedo for, for like, like ten yeah. years almost at this point. So, so when you guys yeah. first got into racing, how did you get go about like getting sponsorships? I'll leave that one to Maggie. Hey. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, it's especially now racing is not that valuable mm -hmm. like to be totally blunt like you what you have to do is you have to figure out how to tell people about the products you're using and why you like them mm -hmm. and it used to be the only way that you were going to get products in front of people was if you were racing and doing well so that newspapers or magazines talked about you mm -hmm. and that just isn't true anymore i mean mm -hmm. you know if you have a camera you can start a youtube channel if you have a phone you can start an instagram like there's, there are plenty of other ways and we love racing and a lot of our connections, industry connections and that kind of stuff are through racing or like, as we are racers, mm -hmm. but that's not, you know, our sponsors aren't like, oh, make sure you're racing. Like this year, not having races, mm -hmm. our sponsors are like, eh, you know, okay, <laughs> keep doing your thing. Like we're not that worried. And I mm -hmm. think it's got to be really hard for some of our peers who are only racers because mm -hmm. there's no place like so you're saying your sponsorship is is they're sponsoring you guys as racers and content creators and social media whether it's your instagram or facebook or whatever it is so you're kind of getting a sponsorship with the entire package not just hey i'm a racer and i think that's true across the board at this point like even the people who are racers, unless they are winning World Cups, mm -hmm. they're doing something else and doing it fairly well. Because if you're just racing, mm -hmm. unless they're not actually getting that much, so yeah, that's really like the truth in the bike industry. A little, I think a lot of people that you might think are extremely sponsored are only getting product. Yeah, and maybe their um, expenses covered maybe. for races. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a, an interesting thing in the bike industry where like the industry kind of benefits from people pretending that they get more than mm -hmm, they do. Yeah. And, and that you sort of see that with like the, I don't know, the teams that have this like coolness factor. So people yeah. are willing to be on the such and such factory team yeah. and not make any we know for money a fact at that all they're not getting paid they're just getting access to bikes for the year like yeah, they don't yeah, get yeah. their bikes so yeah we're not going to drop any names there yeah. but it, yeah yeah and so if you but if you can provide value and you can show click-throughs to a website you can show purchases and you can show views and all of this like all of a sudden that's a very different ball mm -hmm. game so i think whenever you guys got into youtube then you were able to really carry that over into like kind of your because you guys basically have like a pitch that you're giving to a company when you're you're reaching out to them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have yeah. like like a like a like a brochure or something like that that's like, hey, this is Sid and this is what or is it like kind of a little less formal or honestly we it depends <laughs> it on depends. the company. We actually have a brand manager that we work with who coordinates all of our YouTube deals. So like mm -hmm. any sort of sponsored video 
we do on YouTube, we kind of let him negotiate. Like we might pick the company. We're like, hey, we really yeah, like yeah. this product. Like, will you reach out to them? Or will sometimes even reach out. Yeah. But and then, then we're he, like, okay, we're stepping yeah. back and letting yeah, you guys yeah. like hash out the details. And then for a lot of our bike industry sponsors, we've just had really long lasting relationships. So we do do all of those negotiations ourselves. I also think the bike industry isn't really ready for brand managers. Yeah, they're not totally up to speed on it. I mean, you, you'll know, at like least it. from my perspective, like where I've been, like I'll talk to some companies, they totally get YouTube and what the value is. And you talk to other ones and they're like, whatever. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I'm 43 and fat, you know, they're like, yeah, what if I was if I was like doing Eversting attempts, they'd be like, all right. <laughs> it, it really, though, it's like it has to do with being able to provide value. And like, yeah, that's what yeah. we've told. Like, we have lots of kids be like, I want to get sponsored. What should I do? And it's like, you just have to provide value. Like, yeah. you don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to win things. You have to provide value because there's yeah. this idea of like, if I race a bike or if I, you know, whatever, I should get stuff for free. And it's like, why, like, why should a company give you anything for free? Yeah. yeah. Like they, the, the idea isn't getting free stuff. It's giving value in exchange for product yeah. or money or whatever. Like it's a, it's a two way street. And once people understand that, then they, you know, you approach these interactions differently. You say, Hey, here's what I can provide to you. Right. Are you interested in working together as opposed to like, give me free stuff. <laughs> Yeah, they all yeah, want totally. free stuff. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think that's one of those things that you learn along the way too. I mean, just I, I can speak to it just from the YouTube perspective. You know, whenever you you first start, you know, probably because you've seen other people like, oh, I got this free thing, so you're just like, oh, that's how it goes. You get like X number of subscribers, and then you just get free stuff yeah. all day. And then everything's you know? free. You never pay yeah. for anything again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it, yeah. It, it, like doesn't really work that way you know <laughs> no so at what point did you guys like did your channel get to before you started really seeing like that play well into like your portfolio let's call it i guess well i mean we were already we started our channel in 2017 we didn't do a very good job doing youtube in 2017 but we did technically mm -hmm. have a channel we were totally um, just like Upload this random upload videos this. every once in a while. Um, please like, don't go watch our early videos. <laughs> please don't. Um, but I think at that point we did have fairly big Instagram followings, and we were racing a lot of EWS stuff, so we had pretty solid sponsorship. And then, like I, I was so like, saying, what would be what? What just for perspective? What's a pretty big Instagram following? Like fifteen, twenty. Okay, I think followers. I like maybe okay. 30, something okay. like that. We've kind of like since completely ignored our personal Instagram accounts and like lost a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I, posting for like a year. You can't I, focus on everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I did this. I used to like put put pictures on my personal Instagram or like Facebook and stuff like that. I'm like totally a lurker now. Like, because I spend so much time posting for a biker, it's like, damn, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would say our sponsors were all just like pretty stoked that we were doing YouTube right away uh -huh. because it was just like another avenue yeah, yeah. that we were doing stuff. Um, I would say 2018 to like 2019 was kind of when we first like started having conversations with sponsors where we kind of figured out if they actually did value what we were doing on YouTube. Does that make sense? Like yeah. we had to kind of be like, 
hey, okay, I know you think we're still like mediocre EWS raisers, but actually this is what we've been doing and actually we're getting you a lot of clicks and can you pay for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and frankly, we had some sponsors who were sort of like, yeah, it's cool you're doing YouTube, but we'd prefer you do such and such, you know, we want you to do more things for us specifically. And we were sort of like, that. that's not the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we ended those relationships and like mutually it wasn't like anybody was mad or anything so like those relationships ended and didn't make sense and we've started working with some sponsors now who really see the value in youtube and appreciate what we're doing and you know and are stoked on it and that's that's really what we want because that's where you know we i don't want to stop racing i love racing but i i'm less worried about being the fastest ews racer in the world like yeah. that is no longer my goal. My goal is to like do really cool races, mm-hmm. be able to race them well and do well at them mm-hmm. and be able to share the story on YouTube. Like it's less about being like the best of the best and more about like inspiring people to go out and try something hard themselves. Yeah. I was going to say like being sponsored for your race results is really overrated. Like it's <laughs> a lot of pressure. Well, if and- you're like, Oh, they, you know, are sponsoring me because I'm like top five in this region or whatever. Like that's mm-hmm. just, it's a lot of stress and it takes the fun out of it. So well, I think, and there's yeah. always somebody younger and faster. Like <laughs> you can be the best of the best, but like you've got maybe three years. Mm-hmm. Like there are some people have been able to pull it off for longer than that, but like you just, yeah. It's yeah. not going to be very long because <laughs> there's always yeah. someone younger and faster. Yeah. So, yeah, there's always yeah. somebody that's shooting for the target that you're setting. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, it's like when you race your buddy down the hill, you know, like once you got the fastest time, then it's hard for you to get faster until he beats you. You know what I mean? Or she, you know, he or she, like they beat you then totally. by 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden you're like, what? And you're out yeah. there like hammering it and hammering it and yeah. hammering it until you get that, you know? <laughs> So I, I can totally understand. So where, where that that's coming from, do you, um, yeah. how, how long do you guys think that you guys are like quote unquote racers until that kind of like fizzles away and it's just like, Hey, I'm just doing social media. And... I, I don't want to stop racing yeah because uh-huh. I love, I like the competition. I like the people mm-hmm. you meet at races. I like the places you get to go. Mm-hmm. I see no reason to stop racing. Mm-hmm. But I, I will ignore, like, I realize that, you know, at this point, I'm probably the fastest I've ever been or close mm-hmm. to, um, yeah. you know, because I have the skills that I learned from Enduro and I have close to the fitness that I had when I was racing cross country. I know that 10 years from now, I'm not going to be as fast as I am now. And mm-hmm. that's okay. But it doesn't mean I want to stop racing. Like, yeah, yeah. you know. You know, you don't have to be the fastest to have a great time racing. Like racing mm-hmm. is about so much more. So, yeah, I would totally say for the past couple of years, like all the races we've chosen to do have been more like personal challenges at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. Like Especially we haven't tried year. to follow a series. You yeah. know, we haven't even done the same discipline all year. Like we just sort of done what we wanted to do. And mm-hmm. like, that's definitely what doing youtube has given us the ability to do yeah. that because yeah. if, if you don't have numbers in some other way of representing your sponsors they kind of they're like you're going to do this series and you're you know going to get an overall result and that's what you're going to yeah. do yeah like, you guys got like a didgeridoo there in the background or something like that 
don't know. Do we have weird noise? No, it must be. I don't know. I kept hearing it. I, I thought I was being oh. funny, but I guess you guys aren't hearing it. So maybe it's oh, just yeah, no, it must be feedback or <laughs> yeah. something. I mean, a is didgeridoo it? is not out of the realm of possibility. We have pretty much every other instrument. It's true. Right? Yeah. You guys yeah. are musicians too? Uh, Mackie's family is. Oh sure. yeah, Sid has been learning to play the ukulele. I play the ukulele, and she claims that she's not good at it, but she's actually really good at it and picked it up very quickly. So oh, that's really cool. Don't let, you li don't let her lie to you. I'm <laughs> playing a baritone ukulele. Actually, he plays oh. guitar. He might know. Yeah. Oh right. Very fun. <laughs> so, just grew up with music a lot in the family, or? Yeah, my family was all there. I have a an older brother who's a jazz musician in New Orleans, and you know. All I had to do piano lessons and didn't really like them, but had to do those for a while. And then all of my siblings, you know, one was really into the violin and one was into cello and we all had a lot of vocal training. So there there was a lot of music in the house. And this has sort of been the time that we've had to explore a little bit more, have a little bit yeah. more fun. We've been helping his parents organize their house a little bit. and lots of questions like do you really need two cellos yeah <laughs> when nobody in the house is playing either of them <laughs> right. you never know though there could be a, like a, a night where it's like one too many beers right? like let's right? get the cellos out man. <laughs> oh man that's yeah. funny um so so you always though like kind of just grew up with music then huh that's really yeah, cool. A lot man. of singing and, you know, like I said, a lot of vocal training, singing different choirs and stuff as a kid. And yeah, you know, it sort of, sort of sticks. I always thought the piano would be fun to learn, but according to you, it's not, huh? I probably, I think it's more fun now than it was when I was 11 yeah. and forced to take I piano did lessons. anybody enjoy piano lessons as a kid? Cause I also you had also like six years of piano lessons and hated like really? every oh, minute man. of it. But I played a little bit recently, and I enjoy it now. It's just really hard, though. Yeah, I used to play I think guitar it's when a it's lot. Forced, yeah. Like when you have to do it, then yeah. you don't want to do it. But when that it's makes just sense. Like, yeah, you know, when you're yeah, eleven, I used to play you don't guitar want to a lot. Play the piano. I used to play guitar a lot, and it's just like you only have time for so many like hobbies, you know. And it's like right now between YouTube and mountain biking, it's like. I don't have a lot of extra time if I want to continue to have a relationship with anybody else in my life. Like, you know, whether it's the lady or my kids or even my friends, you know what I mean? So I, uh, I don't know, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll do more than pick it up like once a month and knock the dust off of it, you know? <laughs> and now there's a pandemic to keep us all entertained. <laughs> right. Totally. I feel like I, like that was one of the things, I don't know if you guys know, saw on my channel, I've been trying to lose weight recently and, yeah uh, yeah no that video by the way that video was, was really good really good <laughs> thank you really thank well you. done like, what do you what do you was think awesome good sorry so, go ahead no i was gonna ask you what do you think it is that that drew you to the, the story the story yeah like, that's and that's the hardest part with youtube that like for us is youtube videos have to have stories and mm -hmm. it's so like you know, when we fall into this also, like it's easy to like throw a yeah. camera on and be like POV footage, people are going to love it. But like, yeah. if there's not a story, there's no mm. reason to like be invested in what you're watching. Like, yeah, I think also like the vulnerability aspect, mm -hmm. yeah. like I think 
And I think you see that a little bit with our Eversting video too, is like yeah, when you're totally. willing to do something that you don't know if you can do it, like yeah. people are more invested because they want to know if you, you can, can do it. it, you know, and it is opposed to like the after, Yeah. Of, you know, telling the story later. Cause like from know? my perspective, when I put the thing together, I was like, eh, we'll see how this does. You know, like I've definitely put a lot more time into other videos that didn't do nearly as well as that one's doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was, it's interesting to, you know, to be able to ask that question, especially from another creator. Cause you know, you, you get a boatload of comments on there, but nobody's like critiquing like, Hey, this is actually why I like it. You know, <laughs> instead they want to tell me about like, Hey, you should try this diet. And I'm like, well, didn't I just show you that what I'm doing? I lost 20 pounds in a month. Like, yeah, I, I think I got it. You know? But honestly, that's great. Cause if they're, if what they're telling you about is yeah. like what's in the video, yeah, it yeah. means that they weren't thinking about the video. Like the yeah, video yeah. just became a medium For to, yeah, to yeah. tell the story. And I think that's what, like, I don't know. I just thought you did a nice job of like being honest about like, why you were trying this and yeah. like what was hard and what was successful and like you know it just tied things in and i think a lot of people are probably in a similar situation of wanting yeah. to lose weight and so it was very relatable and that's yeah you know i felt like i felt like um whenever the like before the the covid stuff happened i remember telling myself like man i wish i just had like a month off of work where i could just like <laughs> focus on training and like get, <laughs> give myself like a, a kickstart to like getting like more healthy. And then COVID happened and I was like, sweet, I can drink beer like every day of the week. <laughs> I mean, like, chicken nuggets, guess what we're going to eat again. You know, and, and I did that for like a month and a half and I was like, dude, you're like not doing anything. Like here you have this opportunity. Like, why are you not taking advantage of this? So. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out what happens when I release like episode two, if it does well, or people are like, whatever, we were good with the first one. So, I mean, it, you know, if you're sharing the story. Like yeah. that's, that's the, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's the difference between like a, a one-off super successful YouTube video and yeah. like a channel that people are invested in. Like yeah. they care about you and yeah. what you're doing. And yeah, as totally. opposed to like just one video that happens to do well. And that goes along with what I said earlier about, you know, joking about them telling me how to diet or whatever. It's really just that person being invested in like in you and being like, totally. Hey, here's some knowledge that I have that I think would, would work for you, you know? And mm -hmm. I, um, I think I, I enjoy all the comments, even the ones where people are probably trolling. Like, I'm like, Oh, that was funny. I'm, gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to hit back on that one. You know? I, and I don't know, maybe it's just because of my personality or whatever, but I don't know. It, it, it's a fun place, you know? And I think that I, I enjoy it. And obviously you guys enjoy it. Um, what is your, what's your favorite part about running the channel? Raking in the dough, man. Yeah, right. All like thirty dollars a yeah, video. Thirty dollars a video. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good question, actually. I I don't know. I think the community aspect yeah. for sure. Like yeah. just like kind of getting messages out of nowhere from people who are like, "You helped me with this," yeah. or like, mm -hmm. "I was going through a tough time in my life, and I watched your videos, and that made it better." And yeah, I yeah. never expected that when I started. Yeah. Like that was like the, the last email that I ever thought I would get would be like, Hey dude, I was in the hospital and 
that yeah. kept me happy. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing this, so we did a challenge leading up to Mackie's Everesting where we um, basically we're gonna send stickers to everyone who climbed the amount that they said they were going to do in the mm -hmm. month of July. So that could be like the whole Everest or half or quarter. And that was super rewarding. Like really the cool. stories we got from people, like someone who had a stroke last year and like the doctors said he would never ride again. Like he did half Everest and like it, and like set a personal best on like some of these climbs and stuff. And like, I don't know, that's just super, cool like you don't really get that as a racer at all yeah. <laughs> well and as part of that like we created a strava club that people could join to like share their workouts and stuff and there are a lot of people like commenting on each other's workouts and encouraging each other and like mm. the, that community of like supporting one another and encouraging people to like try something that maybe wasn't comfortable for them was that was really cool how did you guys keep track of the the people and like be able to do that? I mean, you can't do that on YouTube comments. So. We learned some things. Yeah, yes, we that will do this better in the yes. future. But uh, we just had everyone sign up on a like Google form at the beginning with their email, and then at the end we sent them an email and they submitted like their a screenshot of their Strava. Oh, okay. And like, plus there was like, tell us your story or like, how old are you? And, yeah, yeah. and our, our youngest, we had two 11 year olds do a half Everest and one- They both signed up for the quarter Everest, but then did a half, yeah. which is oh, wow. awesome. One boy, one girl. So that's super cool. And then our oldest is a 76 year old woman who did a full Everest. So, so how long did you have to do that? So it was for the month whole of month July. of July. Yeah. So, so basically, like, what is it, 29,000 feet, something like that, they have so to do in a month? A thousand feet a day, essentially. Yeah. If you, you want to do that. Yeah. That's a pretty hefty month, man. You know, <laughs> since I've been doing yeah. this, this, uh, just basically, I've been riding every day since I decided to start losing weight. So, mm -hmm. and I think last month, I might not have ridden like, three days out of four weeks, right? And I still only had like 15,000 feet, you know, like. It depends on your terrain a little yeah. bit too. We definitely had some complaints from people in like Illinois who were yeah. like, I can't do it, it's impossible. And we're like, I just ride yeah. your bike, it's it. okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when I ride. For for like quarter, multiple levels, we are like full Everest is 29,000, half is 14,500, quarter is like yeah. 72 something. And we were like, we wanted, you know, different people are at different phases in yeah, their biking yeah. and at different locations. And we wanted everybody to like be able to set a challenge and we encourage people to like sign up for one that would be a challenge. Like mm -hmm. if you always ride 8,000 feet in a month, don't mm -hmm. sign up for the quarter one. Cause then like you, you're going to get it no matter what, like sign right. up for the half so that you have to push yourself. And that right. was really cool. It's like people were submitting screenshots and stuff and like it shows the different months and it was mm -hmm. like, month 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 this month and it was like yeah. you know they were running like two three times more than they'd ever ridden before in a month and it was so cool to see yeah that's basically i put a, a picture on my instagram just the other day that looks like that like i started yeah, nice. july 5th and it went from like you know my i would usually do like a midweek ride and then a weekend ride maybe sometimes two weekend rides maybe some other road ride with the lady like it was like you know not a whole lot and then it was like whoop, right up yeah. you know? <laughs> So I've been riding, uh, you know, basically every day. And I was wondering, like, as a professional athlete, like, how often do you ride? Do you, like, rest every three days? Or do you, like, just go out there and 
is a rest day actually just riding but not as much or we get to talk about one of our favorite things, <laughs> yes. which is recovery gains. And the gray um, zone. <laughs> yeah, so the thing with like training at a high level is you don't necessarily do as much volume as people think unless mm -hmm. you're training for something like this Everesting thing. Like right. it's really more about super high intensity rides and then like recovering fully from that, which might mm -hmm. be like spinning on your rest day and might be doing nothing. Um, yeah. It just depends like what you need. Yeah. I would yeah, say leading I, up to this, I was probably riding five days a week. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, it was like three days and then a day off and then two days and a day off. Mm -hmm. um, but not usually more than five days a week and sometimes less. Yeah. So basically the idea, like you don't actually gain strength, like while you're breaking your body down. So mm -hmm. if you're riding hard every day, you're just going to get like periodically weaker. Like when we did BC bike race, like you're not stronger on the seventh day, you know, you're right. just wrecked. <laughs> right, by then. Right, so like right. on a normal training week, you would go hard for three days and then maybe take two days off in a row so that you could go hard again on yeah. the sixth day. Um, I've been noticing with yeah. me, like I live in Sacramento, so it's pretty flat here in town. Mm -hmm. So like I've been riding road bike Monday through Friday and I noticed, like, I'll usually kind of hit a little harder on Monday through Wednesday. And Thursday and Friday, I kind of, like, sandbag it a little bit. I mean, I'm still doing the same distance, but I'm definitely not putting the effort into it. Because I know mm -hmm. Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to be mountain biking. And I need that, like, energy to go from, like, a road ride that's, you know, 20 miles with 200 feet elevation to a 20 mile mountain bike ride with 3000 feet of elevation, you know, yeah. it's like a huge difference. So yeah. I, I just wasn't sure, like, you know, cause I know from like other training that I've done, like it's important to have your rest days, but I mm -hmm. feel like with the bike, like today, like yesterday I did a big ride today. I went out and I rode for like an hour, but I was like, not like hammering it. I was like, yeah, Hey, look, you know, let's stop and look at that picture, you know, take that Instagram picture or whatever, yep. you know? Yeah. And so in my head, I was like, that's kind of a rest day, you know? Totally. And, you know, and for different people, like they like different things, basically. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for me personally, I prefer to be off completely on my rest days. Mm -hmm. um, but I know a lot of people who are like, no, I feel best if like on my rest days, I spin for an hour or spin for 30 mm -hmm. minutes or whatever. And so, that's a personal preference thing, but the idea is just that you are going a lot easier yeah, on yeah. your rest days than you are on your non-rest days. And, you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure where you are in your time frame here, um, but it would be interesting, I think, to try like choosing certain days that you're like, these days I'm going to either do a significantly longer ride or I'm going to like do the same length ride but i'm going to go way harder and mm -hmm. then the other days like have it be like today like you were saying like you know just spin taking it easy mm -hmm. and see if you notice a difference between like you know riding consistently all the day like all day all seven days versus mm -hmm. riding really hard three or four of the days and then easier the other ones if you find that like you lose weight faster or you feel better or like you know if you notice any or you know then when you go and do your mountain bike climbs is it easier to get up that 3000 foot climb than yeah. it was? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's definitely been it, it, it's definitely something I'm playing around with right now and trying to mm -hmm. understand because I mean I knew initially because I used to commute to work back in like and that was like a 34 mile round trip or something like that. Nice. And I and when I did that, like I knew it took about a month before I could get to the point of I could commute and then still go on a mountain bike ride, like an evening ride. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or commute and still be able to like not be destroyed on the weekends. You, you, you yeah. know what I mean? So now at this point with the diet, I'm about a month and a half in. And like the other day I, I did my 20 miles in the morning and I went out and did like another 10 mile mountain bike ride in the afternoon. Oh, I'm nice. definitely noticing like, like the ride that I did yesterday was what, if I was a weekend warrior, it was a, it was a, that would have been a big ride, you know? And it was like, I don't know, 22 miles and like 3000 feet of, of elevation. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, like knowing that how much I'm riding right now and being able to do that and actually complete it and like make the climbs and not just be totally destroyed. I definitely, you know, obviously I've, I've gotten way stronger, but mm -hmm. it, it's yeah. hard to know whenever you're like my, like I joke with my friends, like my legs are just destroyed all the time. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just like what level of destroyed are they? <clears throat> yeah. 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 It'd be interesting to experiment with because, yeah. you know, I, and that's one thing that like I've learned from racing very seriously for the past 15 years is, you know, you, you start to learn, like sometimes you're like, I need an extra recovery day and you can be honest with yourself and yeah. say, I'm just feeling lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes you're like, I need an extra recovery day because I need an extra recovery day. But like, sometimes you're like, not. I have to do my ride. And your spouse is like, you've been a grumpy asshole all day. Like you're taking a nap, <laughs> yeah. you're not riding. Today. You're not riding today, you're taking a recovery day. Um, and, and it's, you know, and that's what one of the reasons having a coach is great is you can call the coach yeah. and be like, hey, I am just off today. Like, should I ride? And the coach might say, I expect you to be tired today. And yeah. that's part of your training and you need to go ride. And yeah. they might say, no, you don't need to push through that. Take today off, take it easy, recover. Don't feel guilty about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just start to learn that. And like, if your legs are tired all the time, yeah, I might incorporate some like easy days into that and yeah. see if then on the other days you can go even harder because yeah. you're like, oh, I had some recovery. I'm feeling good now. I can really push it and then be willing to like take the easier days. It also yeah. like comes in like cycles over yeah. weeks too. Like we'll have like full recovery weeks. I think yeah. Mackie's on a recovery month right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think so, I'm doing that, like, that, like, kind of ramping up and down, like, accidentally on purpose. You, you know what I mean? Like, initially, mm -hmm. I was trying to ride as hard as I could on those, like, Monday through Friday rides. And basically, by Friday, I just wouldn't be riding very fast because I didn't have any more legs. Yeah. And, and now I'm like, Thursday, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take it a little bit easy. You know what I mean? I'm like, trying not to hit the same, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to finish this ride. There's not going to be any PRs on that. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not even third places. It's going to be like, yeah. wah, wah, wah. You know? But um, there's, a, there's a climb coming back up to our house here, which we do a lot, like, after yeah. every ride. And I think I have the QOM on it. And I think I also have, like, probably the slowest time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll look there. It's like, like six minutes. You know, still lots in the sevens and eights, yeah, and then yeah. like twenty four. Like what was going on that day? Like obviously we were very tired. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
I stopped and picked apricots yeah, that day. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's when you get like the 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 PR on some like route, and you're you're looking at it, and you're like. Dude, every time that we ride that, we stop in the middle there and talk. So it was like, the only reason I got a PR today was because I was by myself. You know, yeah, <laughs> there was nobody totally. to talk to. Yep. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. So what other kind of exercise do you guys do to stay in fit other other than like riding? Strength training in theory, though, that has been not great this year. Yeah. Well, yeah. So basically weightlifting. Um, mm-hmm. But that has been because gyms are closed. We ended up making dumbbells and a kettlebell out of Pouring concrete. concrete. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you can't buy them. You can't buy them. Anywhere. Turns out they're yeah. all sold out everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we made some of those. And then once again, it like, it depends on the time of year. Like I was doing a lot of strength training over the winter, partially to strengthen my shoulder. Mm-hmm. The shoulder. Um, well, that's good. You don't yeah. Well, it's because this one hurts today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I crashed on my moto yesterday and oh, this one is sore. But uh but yeah, there was more strength training, a lot of strength training happening this winter to strengthen my shoulder, to try to get back like to the upper body strength that I wanted. Um and then this spring things slowed down from a strength training perspective because mm-hmm. I was more focused on like the fitness side of stuff and I knew for mm-hmm. Everesting yeah, I was also going to be descending 33,000 feet. So I needed to have some upper body strength, but I have done enough descending when I'm transitioned back more towards more strength training, shorter rides, more moto riding, like a bunch of this cross training stuff that I was doing less of because I was so focused on everything. When you guys were on the road, did you guys just have like a 24 hour fitness pass or something like that? And that's how you like went to the gym or was it? We went to local rec centers the most, I would say, because they're just generally like a lot cheaper. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Turns out Um, community centers are usually pretty cheap and have at least decent, like enough weights in the weight room that you can do like your basic stuff. And we did a lot of like body weight work Mm -hmm. too. Like we have a mat and a TRX that we bring with us so we could do that if we couldn't find that's kind of the stuff that i do even when i were i was like at a point in my life where i went to the gym all the time but realistically like i use dumbbells and a ball like 90 percent of the time and then the rest of them were all just like core balance exercises where you're like do this lunge and then do a knee up and then a curl Mm -hmm. and then just freaking hate your life you know like <laughs> basically that and so that's the same stuff that i'm doing now and and yeah. so i think that's one of the things i try to get across in the video to people as well like you don't really need much to get in shape like mm-hmm. look at those dudes in prison they just do like flutter kicks and jumping jacks and push-ups all yeah. day long they're strong well, i was gonna well. say if you're like <laughs> especially if you don't have access to it that's not an excuse to not do it like yeah you know i saw you have some adjustable dumbbells and stuff and like yeah. that's awesome we made some dumbbells yeah yeah but if you don't have that like turns out a gallon of water weighs eight pounds yeah right like you know that's fairly easy to find like you know a rock who cares how much the rock weighs if it's hard right. for you to pick up you're probably gaining something like right and if it's not pick, pick it up, up a bunch kids. of times you know? Yeah, exactly. Max's yeah. brother, before we made the dumbbells, had like weighed all these rocks and like <laughs> left them on the concrete with like different numbers written to them. So we would go and like move them around. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Really, yeah. really heavy this can one be with the, the fifteen pound one. This yeah. can be the five pound one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, even just like the the you know the kind of like gravity exercises there, they'll they'll do some, they'll do a lot. When I joined the army when I was eighteen. I weighed 155 pounds 
And when I got out of basic training, which there's no gym working, I, I put on 30 pounds. Wow. Like, so like you can do that, you know, it's just totally. running and push-ups. And apparently if you're stupid, you do a lot of push-ups. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yep. What are you guys? What are you guys looking forward to? Like, a, as far as getting on the road after after the the COVID goes away. I'm not honestly. Yeah. I'm not even sure we're thinking that far ahead because yeah. I like. We don't know. I don't want to sound pessimistic, year, but, but I think it's may still be a while before yeah. we are free to travel like we normally would, and before races are back because yeah. you bring a lot of people from all over the country and the world in the same place, and like that's not great. So. Yeah, do you guys I'd think that they'll they'll do something with the races kind of like the way that like prof other professional sports are going where it's just like hey you guys are going to go race downeyville except for nobody's allowed to come watch but nobody came and watched <laughs> no it anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know downeyville maybe there were some people watching yeah, but maybe at most mountain bike races it really is just it's so participation oriented and it's not like a baseball team that's like 20 i don't know how many people are yeah right. but like you know there's like sometimes it's a thousand people racing so right um or i mean there it's... are races running now like there's a stage race going on in colorado springs next month that they are going through tons of precautions and unfortunately like a lot of the precautions kind of like take away some of the best aspects of racing like i think like they, hanging out <laughs> like they're doing individual starts i think or something yeah. and yeah i don't know so i think we're just kind of I mean, obviously, I'm still recovering, so we don't have a huge incentive mm -hmm. on my side to race, but... I also, like, I've done enough racing that I'm willing to just say, like, you know, to this year, it's not... This year isn't the year. Like, I just, you know, mm -hmm. do the Everesting Challenge. We'll focus on some other stuff, try to get back, like, get into really good shape. There's plenty we can do. I mean, we also, like we said, we did the bike shed, and then we started our board game send it like mm -hmm. we we've found <laughs> other ways to entertain ourselves we have not been bored um so how did how did the board game come across come wrong like you guys were just like sitting around a bunch of post-ride beers and we we're like dude let's make a game more well, like we <laughs> yeah i'll tell it so we were <laughs> hanging out with our friends in arkansas and one of them kind of coined this phrase where he's like, send it to end it. Yeah. And I kept getting fed around. And then like the next day, Mackie does this face plant <laughs> off the porch. <laughs> so we were kind of like, we need to reevaluate. We need to change the slogan. It needs to be like, what was it like? Analyze it, and send evaluate it. And oh, send evaluate it. and send it. Yeah. Um, this kind of as a joke. And then. And then, well, then we were playing board games because I couldn't ride my bike. Um, right. And we were like, we, you know, we enjoy board games and there's some yeah, yeah. great ones out there, but there aren't any mountain biking board games out there. And uh -huh. we were like, wow, that really is a shame. Um, and so we were like, let's, let's just throw ideas around, see if we can come up with something that would actually uh -huh. be fun as a board game. And yeah, it was uh, like, it took a while, but we essentially came up with something that was fun enough to not just be like monopoly or, right. or candy land like it's not just like roll the dice move the spot like we wanted it to actually like to learn something to like uh -huh. make you think a little bit um and so sort of the whole idea of the game is you're progressing through more and more difficult features uh -huh. and for each one you have to build you have to train to build certain skills 
-hmm. And then you have to like draw cards to prepare. So you can check out the landing and visualize sending it and roll in to check your speed with the idea that, that those things improve your chances of successfully sending it. And, uh -huh. you know, sometimes it doesn't matter. You roll a one and you crash, even though you prepared really well, but mm. your chances are improved. And so we've actually had people who played the prototype tell us later, like when I'm riding my bike now and I get to a feature, I think through those things that are in the game. Like, oh, that's I'm funny. like, Oh, right. Okay. I'm going to check out the landing and I'm going to check out the takeoff and I'm going to visualize it. Like, and it's really cool because that was the goal is we want people to like, instead of just like, send it like whatever, I'll be fine because you aren't sometimes. Right, right, and right. there are things you can do to improve your chances of having a successful sin. Um, and so that was the idea of the game and it went through a lot of iterations and then we hired Christina to do the artwork for us. And I am hopefully receiving the production sample from China sometime this week. Didn't you guys do, um, did you guys do like a little Kickstarter or something like that to like, yeah, like crowdsource some money? Yep. Yeah. So we raised 50,000 on Kickstarter. Wow. Um, and yeah, so that was really cool. Um, did you, did you guys think that it was going to like go, like, did you think when you're like, Hey, let's put 50,000 up there and see like, were you like, our, our goal was 25,000 actually. Yeah. So we doubled um, our goal. I, we really didn't know what to think because mm -hmm. this was in May. So we were like, well, maybe now is a good time for board games because there's a pandemic or maybe right. it isn't because everybody's terrified of what's going to happen in the future and doesn't want to spend $60. So right, right. we had no, we like had no expectations. Yeah. yeah. We were like, if, if we can hit 25,000, then we can make this game happen and we won't lose money on it. Basically. So that was like, you know, basically like, like, this is what we know it's going to cost us to get these boards made and X, Y, Z and, well, so, a little but, over that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was, like, the marketing, yeah, yeah. hiring Christina to do the artwork, like, all of mm -hmm. that stuff, plus the cost to actually produce the games. We were, right, like, right. at 25000 we can get people their games, and we won't have lost money. Right. And so right. that was the goal. And, you know, at this point, assuming the production sample looks good, we basically are, like, start producing, and we'll potentially be able to deliver them early because we we are planning on like a early to mid-december delivery date mm -hmm. and we're hoping to try to push that up by a month if we can if we can pull it off that's super so, cool so at that point we'll like is your first order just like all the people that were on the kickstarter or like do you have to like get more than that too so you have some like inventory we'll probably or... get a little bit more we had some uh -huh. bike shops make orders yeah by like 10 or 12 yeah uh -huh. But and for the most part, that. like if you want a game, uh -huh. your your way to guarantee getting one is to pre-order it now. Like yeah. we we did the Kickstarter and then we opened mm -hmm. it for pre-orders, mm -hmm. and then like we'll buy some extra, but not that many because we don't want to be sitting on a bunch of inventory yeah. and like shipping things out to people. So it's, yeah, it's pretty not like much they like, drop ship a, a, a board game, right? right? From China, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do if well, you pay $200 a board game, which yeah, is what right? we did yeah. for the prototype stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> really? Yeah. So I could make a game, a one-off game for 200 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, we did it's it. Probably like less if it's less complicated than yours. Too. That's like, true. There were, yeah. If you have a simple game, maybe like 100 How do you guys even go yeah. about finding a place to make a board game? Like, you I wouldn't Google, even know where, just Google. Make a board be, game. Right? <laughs> or print a board game. And then yeah. they, like, 
there's a number of companies that do one-off ones for prototypes yeah. basically um and yeah it's like 200 plus dollars per game uh -huh. so we were like how many do we need to like take pictures send to a couple people to like mm -hmm. try and like that was just a yeah that was an expensive an expensive uh investment well, and i would yeah, imagine I you probably want to hit up a couple of them too because you want to like see like their quality convert like compared to like another ones well less that because you aren't buying like you aren't buying the final game uh -huh. through that same company because they they specialize in one-off ones and they're so mm. expensive so it was okay. more just like find one that we know would have good enough quality for the pictures right. and for the prototypes and right. then at that point like just get the ones that we needed like we sent one to brian bkxc yeah. and, you know so like get them out to a couple people Mm -hmm. but they are 200 bucks a piece so yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah. those people are like willing to promote it and are, are reaching enough people that like it's it's worth that yeah and then yeah. you know as soon as we knew or had an idea of how many we could print and like how many people had ordered them then we went and found a company in china that could do it at a, a cost yeah. that made it reasonable for other people to buy it as opposed to just one at a time right on you guys, yeah. you said you guys like playing board games. What are the board games that you guys like to play? Played a lot of Settlers of Catan. Yep. Um, we we lost Pandemic six times in a row right before coronavirus became a thing. So I have to check. Yeah, the hell? I don't know that game. Pandemic. Yeah. So these are all what are like. You know, they sort of fall into like yeah mid-level complexity where like you have Monopoly and Candyland and those include uh -huh. like games like yeah. that. Those are like big box store. They cost twenty five or thirty dollars. Right, right. They're super simple. Yeah. And then you have like ridiculously complex games on the opposite end that are like yeah. one hundred and fifty bucks and like that million pieces. pieces. And yeah, right. you have to spend forty five minutes reading the rules. And you know, and I've played some of those and I can enjoy them sometimes. Yeah. But we were like, we want something in the middle that like you have to be an intelligent human being to like play this game yeah. and enjoy it. But you don't have to read the rules for 45 minutes. You can learn right. how to play it like quick and yeah, it's mountain yeah. biking. Yeah. So we were like, we play, we play a, a game called Ticket to Ride a lot here. Do you yes. guys ever play that one? Oh, yeah. Love that Ticket to Ride. Fine. Yeah. yeah. That's Super. a similar complexity of like, you know, you're, you're thinking the strategy, but you're yeah. not like reading the rules for an hour. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, and it's it. The thing that's fun about that game, too, is like you can teach a pretty young kid how to play it as well. So, like, mm -hmm. Yep. If you're at a friend's house, you know, like they like the grown-ups and the kids can kind of all sit around at the same table and still have fun at, at the same game, you know, which totally. is which is cool. Yeah. yeah, right on, man. So yeah, um, what kind of bikes are you guys riding right now? You said uh, we're on Niners. Yeah. Um, this year we basically have their their full gamut. Um, We've they've got spoiled us. They have spoiled us. Thoroughly. <laughs> so we have their XC race bike, which is the rocket, um, mid-level kind of trail bike, which is the jet, mm -hmm. the bigger travel enduro bike, which is the uh, the Rip Nine, mm -hmm. and then um, gravel bike, which is the RLT, and then they sent us their e-bikes before they came out so that we could yeah be wow. part of that you line. guys really so, did get the whole whole we we yeah. have the full <laughs> yeah the yeah. e-bikes are more of a loan probably yeah but yeah. but they're super fun, they're super fun. <laughs> yeah i haven't ridden a hard one. time getting them back <laughs> i haven't ridden one on the trail yet i'd really like to I, one of these days i'm gonna go rent one 
or something like that. But they're really fun. They are really fun. Yeah. We got my dad on it and he hadn't ridden in like seven years and uh-huh. he's seventy five. He's seventy five. Yeah, yeah. I saw the video. Yeah, and like it was just so cool. Like he rode, you know, he did the full Everesting yeah. on his e-bike and then finished it off with an, a ride up the same ski valley hill and back which is like 2500 feet and he did it not on an e-bike um at the end like of the last day of july so it was just so cool to see him like gain that fitness and confidence and and really get back into riding so yeah now he takes the e-bike out every once in a while we convince him to come ride with us on trails and stuff it's super fun out of the bikes that you guys have in the stable there which one do you find yourself grabbing the most Recently, it's been the rocket because that was the one I was Everesting on. Um, the XC or the trail. Yeah, that's like the XC race bike. Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted as light a bike as I could have, basically, for Everesting. Uh-huh. And then uh, I'd say the Jet is probably jet is like a, it's it's super well rounded. Yeah, it's like a twenty nine or one twenty. Yeah, one twenty one. So like a short <laughs> short t- travel twenty nine er. Yeah, I keep telling well, people that. short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, like, that size is nice so, size. it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like you can ride at the bike park. You know, it's not the perfect bike for a bike park, but you can. Yeah. But it's just amazing to just like take out and go ride trails. Like uh-huh. you can just go ride for hours and it's not too heavy and it's got enough suspension. And it's just, it's a great bike. You you guys both ride 29ers? Yeah. Is there, is we also there... ride the same size, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> The lady and I ride the same size as well too, so that nice. always that works out good. She's she's yeah. pretty tall, so that uh that always works well. I haven't ridden her new bike though. She I got her a fifty ten uh, Santa Cruz fifty ten, and nice. Um, we built it out earlier this year because she finally got to a point where she's like riding again. So awesome! It's it's been really fun for us us um, going out together. But I haven't hadn't taken hers out yet. I really want to. She normally travels a lot for work. So like my plan originally was like, oh, I'll build this. And then she'll be in like Arkansas and I'll be like, oh, hey, I'm going to borrow your bike. Or I'll just tell her when she gets back. And then then COVID hit and I'm like, now how am I going to pull this off? Yeah. So. <laughs> now I have to ask for permission instead of forgiveness. Right? <laughs> so uh, we'll have to see how That's that great. goes. So well, I'm realizing that we probably should get going here because we're yeah. – our light is fading, as you can see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, hey, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. I apologize yeah. for the uh, internet issues there a little earlier. It's uh, usually us, so it's actually really refreshing to have someone yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, yeah. They're going for the team there, there you know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right? So real quick, before you guys go, I always like to ask people, what other YouTube channels do you watch? Whether it's like mountain bike or not mountain bike, like just what other other content do you like to watch? I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with binging with Babish, which so is a cooking channel. Oh, right on. Um, it's really great. He recreates food from movies. So it's like really complicated, weird things. Oh, cool. Don't generally exist. Like he and- did the Lord of the Rings feast recently. Oh, yeah. nice. Like, you should watch it because it's, it's perfect YouTube. Like, it's, it's flawless. Like, everything oh, right from, on. like, you know, the consistent camera angles and the consistent aesthetics yeah. and the voiceover. It's and just the pacing. And is the really pacing, good. yeah. It's really well done. And Where's it, it shows binging with what? Binging yeah. with Babish. Babish. Okay. I'm going to have to yeah. check this out. 
Yeah, and he has like what seven and a half million subscribers. So yeah, but it's obviously still working gets for it. Like right? multiple million like per video. Oh, it's so it's good. like super consistent. Yeah. So wow. Um that's crazy. There's a lot to learn there for us. We're like, yeah, let's try to learn some of this stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, hey man, yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, let me let me go ahead and wrap this up. I honestly I really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to chat though. It was super oh, fun. Yeah, it was yeah. super fun. I was really excited to hear about all the Everesting and uh hopefully everybody <laughs> else was as well. Um, everybody out there that's listening, if you guys are on the Patreon, I appreciate it. If you're not, you're doing it wrong. So go help me out. <laughs> Please hit the like button and the subscribe button. That would be great. Uh, like I said earlier, trying to get this thing to 10K in a year. That would be, I want to prove Social Blade's algorithm wrong. Because as yeah. it is right now, they're saying, no, that's not going to happen. But I think you guys can do it. I really do. So and everybody out there, just remember one thing. It only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one.